Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 115. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I collaborate with Next Step Test Prep and one of their top content creators for the MCATs, Clara. It used to be Brian Snedeker, if, if you were... Uh, skipping in and out of these podcast episodes. You may have heard Brian previously, but now we have Clara joining us on the MCAT podcast to help you understand how to do well on the MCAT. We are continuing our breakdown of the Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10, jumping into our last set of three over the next three weeks, Cars Passages, Cars Passage 7, eight, and nine. This week, we have passage seven. Clara, we're back for some more cars. I thought we were uh, done with cars. I, I think maybe at the end of the last episode, I thought I said we were done with cars, but surprise, here we are. <laughs> You're not that lucky. Um, no, yeah. we have three We have three more passages left out of the nine in the section. All right. Well, I'm excited, I think. Um, cars, I, if I haven't said before, Verbal reasoning back when I took the MCAT was what the car section was called and definitely my worst section. And and going through these, uh, I think, shows why it was my worst section because I misread a lot of things and I read into a lot of things. And, and that's definitely apparently not what the MCAT wants you to do. No. Well, it's really normal. I will say a lot of students have those issues. So yeah. you're not alone. All right. What, uh, what's facing us today in passage seven here? Ooh, so passage seven is a fun one. Uh, it's about photography. So students who like art sometimes will like these kind of art-focused passages. So we'll see how it goes. All right. I like photography, so hopefully. <laughs> All right. So why don't you go ahead and jump into passage seven? All right. Passage seven. Robert Frank's 1958 volume of photography, The Americans, is arguably the most influential book of photography published in the 20th century. The book chronicles a year-long road trip that Frank took across the country. Its 83 images are culled from the nearly 28,000 photos he shot as he drove thousands of miles, traversing the United States, stopping in Detroit factories, New Mexico saloons, Miami hotels, and hundreds of other locales. At the time that Frank embarked on his cross-country trip, photography, photography was, quote, a disdained medium, as fellow photographer Walker Evans said. Few American museums exhibited photographs. Those that did consisted primarily of images of well-known figures. 
One exception was Dust Bowl photographer Dorothy Lang, who, like Robert Frank, chronicled the lives of average people in difficult circumstances. Yet while Lang's images convey a sense of transcendence over adversity, Frank's work often belies his subjects' hopelessness, their inability to step out of their despondence. In part, the criticism of Frank's work had to do with the lurking despair embodied in his subjects, a bored teenage elevator operator in Miami, a carload of game-faced politicians in Hoboken, a smug Southern couple walking with hands tightly clutched. He portrayed a darkness that was difficult to acknowledge and even harder to behold. Uh, just a quick note here. There's a lot of names in this passage already, so mm-hmm. those would be a good thing to highlight okay. as you go. Um, all right. But critics also looked askance at other aspects of Frank's photographs. There were profound stylistic differences between Robert Frank's images and those that reflected the reigning aesthetic in photography of the time, best exemplified by Life magazine. Life's photos, crisp, linear, and unambiguous in the story they told, stood in contrast to Frank's photos, which had a messiness to them, as well as a murky emotionality that was off-putting to confront. I leave it up to you, he says. They don't have an end or a beginning. They're a piece of the middle. In this way, Frank's intent differed from that of Henry Cartier-Bresson. While it might seem that both, both artists were drawn to candid shots of street life, Cartier-Bresson believed that a photograph captured a decisive moment, while Frank was enraptured by some moment I couldn't explain. A Swiss immigrant, Frank remained an outsider, an observer who loved his adopted country without shying from its darkness and flaws. Frank found an ally in writer Jack Kerouac, whose novel On the Road spoke of cross-country ramblings through small towns. Kerouac personified what I hoped I'd find here in America— He was interested in outsiders. He wasn't interested in walking the middle of the road, Frank said. After meeting Kerouac at a party in New York, Frank asked him to write an introduction to the Americans. Kerouac did, writing that Frank sucked a sad poem of America onto film, taking rank among the tragic poets of the world. (laughs) Sucked a sad poem of America onto (laughs) film. That's a great line. It is. Now, what does it mean? That is the question. Okay. see. All right, so question 36. Of the following, which would provide the best title for the passage? Interesting. Frank, Lang, and Cartier-Bresson, candid photos of three photographers. B, Robert Frank, mysterious outsider. C, Robert Frank, an outsider peers in. Or D, critic of the American malaise, Robert Frank. Candid photos of three photographers. Uh, interesting. I don't know about that one. Uh, Robert Frank, mysterious outsider. I don't think that would that would be that it's about him, but it's really not about him because the photos are about the other people, which makes me really like see Robert Frank and outsider peers in because that's what his <laughs> photographs are all about: is peering in and 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 looking into people's lives. Uh, and D, I don't like. Um, American malaise. Uh, so I would go with C here, just an outsider peers in, because it seems to be all about how what Frank's pictures are, um, just trying to take a picture of, of what's out there, not necessarily trying to portray these perfect images of people or things. C so. is perfect. Yeah, right. One for one. <laughs> all right, good start. Okay. 
Um, and yeah, your thought process was good here. So we're looking for the title of the passage. So it's going to need to be um, really essentially the main idea of the passage. And the main uh, point the passage was making was all about um, Robert Frank's photographs. Uh, a is way off because it says candid photos of three photographers. We weren't actually taking photos of the photographers. Mm-hmm. So that's that's totally out there. Uh, mysterious outsider. Um, we actually are never told that Robert Frank himself is even mysterious, yep. right? Uh, so that's not right. And then the American malaise, like that, that doesn't seem to fit. Um, it's out of scope. Yeah. So C is perfect. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, 39. According to the passage, which of the following statements best represents the stylistic difference between Frank's photographs and those of his mid-20th century contemporaries? A. Frank's photographs are sometimes blurry or messy, while the more accepted photographs of that time look crisp and clean. B. Few of Frank's contemporaries took photos that were as overtly critical of American life. C. Frank's subjects are realistic, while his contemporaries portrayed an idealized view of 1950s America. And D, Frank's photos are candid, unlike the posed portraits typical of Life magazine. Hmm. So I would pick Life magazine quickly because I remember where that was. And they talk about crisp, linear, unambiguous. Uh, It doesn't say anything about posed. So I'd get rid of that one uh, because I don't see anything there that talks about Life Magazine posing pictures. Um, Going up to A, Frank's photographs are sometimes blurry or messy while the more accepted photographs of that time look crisp and clean. That potentially may be a good answer because again, going back to Life Magazine, uh, if you want to say that those are more accepted because they're in a magazine, those are crisp and clean, uh, linear and unambiguous. Um... So A is at the top of my list right now. B, few of Frank's contemporaries took photos that were overtly critical of American life. I don't think uh, anywhere they talked about his pictures being critical of American life. They were just taking pictures of American life, not being critical of them and letting you kind of decide what you were seeing. Uh, So I wouldn't choose B. And then C, Frank's subjects are realistic while his contemporaries portrayed an idealized view of 1950s America. So C is kind of interesting because that's a lot of what they talked about is um, uh, the pictures that other people were taking were kind of this, um, I don't see the exact words that popped out, but more like this beginning or end and not the the messy middle, so to speak, um, which are a little bit more realistic, which were harder for people to, to view because they didn't like seeing that it made them feel uncomfortable. So I'm between A and C. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna go with A. Great. <laughs> C was tempting, but no, A is correct. Yeah. So why isn't C right? C is really close. Um, and so first of all, you are right to go back to Life Magazine right away. Um, that stands out for choice D, but also Life Magazine was this contemporary um, that the passage compares to Robert Frank. So the key here is that C is saying that Frank's subjects are realistic, um, while his contemporaries portray this idealized view. Uh, we actually don't know that his contemporaries did portray an idealized view. 
Right. So we want to be very careful to stay within the realm of what the answer choice says, because what you said is true too. his um, Robert Frank's photos, you know, were kind of messy and didn't have a beginning or an end. But we actually don't know that life's photos, for example, were idealized. The only thing they tell us was that they were crisp, linear and unambiguous in the story they told. Mm. Uh, That story could be really bleak, right? It might not be idealized. Yeah. So A is perfect, and they even use the, the word crisp. So the more accepted photographs look crisp and clean. Crisp is exactly how they described life's photos. Yep, and messy is how they described Frank's photos. So exactly my messiness to them. Okay, so again, it's it's making sure that you're not reading into what you're reading. That's exactly right. It's really easy to see an answer choice that looks really close to what the passage is saying, or it sort of has the same tone, but it's, it's just not the same in meaning. And so that lets us get rid of C. All right. Question 40. Suppose a critic who agreed with the theories of Henry Cartier-Bresson were to write about a photograph taken by Robert Frank. Which word would he be most likely to use in describing such photograph? A, transcendent, B, indecisive, C, unambiguous, or D, enraptured. So the theories of Henry Cartier-Bresson. So if we didn't remember that uh, Henry Cartier-Bresson's theory, um, where they first uh, introduced him, they were both drawn to candid shots of secret life, but... Cartier-Bresson believed that a photograph captured a decisive moment while Frank was enraptured by some moment that I couldn't explain. So enraptured is is interesting because it's right in the sentence and there it is in answer choice D. So I'm going to put that at the top of my list just because it's it's screaming that, oh, maybe it's it's enraptured, but I'll go through the, the other ones. Transcendent doesn't make sense. Uh, for what they're saying. Um, Indecisive is very intriguing because Henry's pictures capture a decisive moment, whereas Frank's are potentially indecisive. Uh, C, unambiguous, um, uh, could potentially be there. They talk about unambiguous earlier in the, the paragraph, but not specifically when talking about Henry Cartier-Bresson, and then Enraptured. So I'm between B and D. Um, Enraptured, I think, is too too broad of a term for describing it. I think you can be enraptured and decisive. Uh, And so I'm going to go with B, indecisive. Good job. Am I three for three? You're three for three. You're on a roll. (laughs) Um, This one is a really interesting question, right? Because um, you sort of looked at Enraptured first because it's directly right there in that paragraph. Yep. Um, But with this, it's really important not to just to like, you know, what you did right there was you sort of like looked at the tone and like the broadness of the terms. Um, It's also really important to just keep in mind who we're being asked about. Um, because here we're being asked about this critic, right? This critic who agreed with the theories of Henry Cartier-Bresson. Um, now the passage says that Frank was enraptured. So Frank was enraptured by some moment he couldn't explain. 
that doesn't mean that a critic who maybe agreed with this other photographer would be enraptured by Frank, right? That just means Frank was enraptured. So that's why D is incorrect. Whereas B is perfect, right? Because B, uh, Henry Cartier-Bresson, um, his photographs were described as decisive. So a critic who was looking at Frank, the opposite, might say Frank's photos were indecisive. Yep. Okay. Great. All right. So one more, 41. The author notes in paragraph one that the American's iconic status does not reflect its reception at publication and suggests that all of the following contributed to that reception except, A, at the time of publication, photography was not considered a wholly legitimate art form. B, Frank's work was upsetting and forced the viewer to confront difficult subjects. C, the style of Frank's photographs was not typical of either artistic or journalistic images of the time. And D, contemporary viewers are more accepting of the viewpoints of outsiders than were mid-20th century viewers. So B talks about the work being upsetting, forcing the viewers to confront difficult subjects. That's clear, I think, in the paragraph. So that's a true statement. So that won't be the answer. The style of Frank's photographs was not typical of either artistic or journalistic images of the time. I think um, that is also true. I don't think they um, they specifically talked about journalistic and artistic, um, but potentially with Life Magazine being quote-unquote journalistic, maybe. So I would cross out C. Um, A is interesting to me because it says at the time of publication – Photography was not considered a wholly legitimate art form. And so just drawing back on the paragraph, it said that photography was a disdained medium, not a wholly legitimate art form. So A is interesting. I think it wants me to remember that disdained medium and go, oh, yeah, it's it's a not a legitimate art form. So and then D is interesting, but I'm going to have to go with A because I think A is trying to trying to force me to read into the disdained medium and, and think that that assumes not a legitimate art form. <laughs> ah, so this is the one. This is no. the one that is actually D. Oh, all right. <laughs> the three of four is I'll not take bad. it. I'll take yeah. it. Um, yeah, so that was actually really interesting. So A is definitely the tempting wrong answer here. Um, and a lot of our students do pick A because of the same reason that you did, right? We see that disdained medium and it just doesn't seem to be exactly what A is saying. Um, so A can be tempting. The thing is though, I don't know how much you looked at D, but uh, it's really helpful to actually look at what D is saying here. And we see it says contemporary viewers are more accepting of these outsiders' viewpoints than mid-20th century viewers. And if you think about it, the passage never mentioned contemporary, like modern viewers at all. Yeah. So that's a really good example where if you start to like think too much um, and really try to like break apart an answer choice and you sort of have this idea that maybe the AAMC is trying to trick you, uh, <laughs> it can often, you know, make you pick this wrong answer because the MCAT is really a, a direct test, right? So D is totally out of scope. It's perfect. AAMC just seems like a little bit off. So it was not quite right. Oh, all right. So three out of four isn't bad. So don't read into it too much and don't don't 
read into the trickery too much either because they're not trying to trick you. Exactly. Don't expect a trick question. All right, so there you have it. Passage seven from Next Step Test Prep, full length 10. If you are in the market for full length exams for the MCAT, there are the three full length, the three scored full length exams from the AAMC, which you should buy 100%. You should go get those exams. They are the uh, exams written by the people that write the real MCAT. Uh, if you have the budget and the bandwidth, the time to do more full-length exams, go check out nextsteptestprep.com and look at their offerings of either four, six, or 10 full-length exams. Their testing software is set up exactly like you will see that you will encounter at your Pearson testing center. So the way that you highlight, the way that you underline and uh, uh, um, whatever word I'm trying to think of, everything that you do uh, on your MCAT test day, it works exactly the same on the Next Step test prep software. So you are simulating, you are acting in the same way that you're going to act on your real test day, which is how you need to be preparing for your MCAT. Simulate as best as you can right? Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Whenever I ask students, what's the best full length out there? Students inevitably tell me next step has been the best one to prepare them for the MCAT outside again of those double AMC tests. The, the next step ones are the best ones that will prepare you, that will simulate the, the difficulty level of the real MCAT and accurately predict your score for the real MCAT. So go check them out, nextsteptestprep.com. Use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save 10% on those full-length exams. Have a great week. We'll see you next time where we cover passage number eight of CARS, full-length 10 from Next Step. 